What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Thanks for tuning into the program once again. If this is your first time listening, fresh episodes are coming at you every Friday, so check those out. Also, hit subscribe wherever you're listening. Hit rate and review on the iTunes. That really helps the show propel into the the iTunes charts. And it only takes a couple minutes to just hit subscribe, hit rate and review, give it the five stars, say a few nice words, and then you're directly contributing to the sustainability of the show. And it is much appreciated. Uh, Just want to say thank you to all all the longtime supporters out there. We're, uh, closing in on two years here and i am very proud to bring you yet another episode episode 91 which is kind of this uh look back on 2017 and many of the episodes that happen and i've kind of spent the last few days editing this thing together and and finding portions of conversations to kind of mash up and some of my my favorite moments and and some of the things that have been said and kind of share those moments as as one big collective piece and it's been a kind of a trip to to edit all of these together over the last few days and I've learned that it, not only is there a lot of different kinds of music that is shared through this this podcast but um each person that I talk to in conversation on this thing seems to bring out a different energy in me. And, uh, so it's been kind of a trip to, to check out. And this whole thing has, has really been a blast for me to have the privilege to sit down and talk with people and, and learn about their art and, and themselves has been, uh, a, a really, really special thing for me that I, that I thoroughly enjoy. And it's, a become a big part of my life so thank you again to to all the supporters out there and and all the people that uh, continue to show up to bills that i'm putting together and things like that i'm i'm stoked to continue to create in 2018 and and release some projects that i've been working on and uh just to continue to kind of push myself to not be afraid to to try things and just keep putting my ideas out into the world and not not just keeping them in my head for myself to go crazy about and that's another thing that I've I've learned through this podcast is many of the people that I get to talk to you know sort of reveal that how important their creative process and and making art is to their their mental health and whatnot and uh yeah, I just always appreciate when people are are willing to reveal some some things about themselves and and kind of uh humanize themselves and yeah, it's just been an incredible incredible thing and uh hope it's been inspiring to to others that are thinking about putting something out or or starting a podcast or whatever just just do it, man. 
do it for yourself you know you never know if if your idea is uh is worth anything you know if you don't uh if you don't pursue it or 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 execute on it and um this podcast is hopefully an example of that to to some others so you know much love much love much love to everybody and um yeah this thing is going to be a doozy you know it's probably the longest episode in in program history here on the on the dan cable presents podcast so i don't want to waste too much time um we're basically just going to be jumping in and out of a lot of different conversations and you you'll know who who i'm talking to so that maybe you can reference back um you know if you hear something and maybe you missed an episode you you'll be able to know who i am talking to so you can go back and and check out that episode uh what i want to do to kick off the show is before we're going to we're going to kick it off with my conversation with Rashid Jamal and um he also had DJ Quaz who we'll get into another chunk with later but we're going to kick it off with you know a portion of of their conversation with me which happened the first week of January of this year so taking it back to about episode 40 but before we get into that I do want to play a track um this is um uh, yeah i guess this is this is my favorite local track that came out of portland this year um just just a tune that i have been playing almost daily um for the last few months and uh it's from my friends corgi and bass and they put out a uh an ep this year uh it's volume two and uh this particular song it features my friend Dusty Fox from Two Planets and you know he's been on on the show with them as well as uh an episode with him him and Gaspar a producer that he works with but um yeah so the jam features Dusty Fox and also Catherine Feeney who's just got a, a killer voice and this song man I don't I don't know what it is about it but it's it's been a uh it's been a banger for me and it's been one that's uh just getting consistent rotations for me and and I I just really dig Corgi and Bass if you have not seen them in in Portland they they were on the show last year so they're not included in in this uh this mashup of uh of conversations but Corgi and Bass killer two piece killer duo Bear Brown Alex Meltzer a couple of my favorite musicians in the city and then for them to have Dusty Fox and Catherine Feeney on this track is just super killer. So um, we're going to get into this jam, and then we're going to get into uh, all these conversations, starting with uh, Rashid. So here we go. We're doing it. Happy New Year, everybody, from the Dan Cable Presents podcast. This is uh, Corgi and Bass with Bitter Horizon. Like, sorry that it's been a minute 
I just needed space, miles being made from inches Felt the distance, division has got me acting different And told the vision on tracks, you used to ask to listen Something missing, radio silence Signs of time passing, masking these unaccomplished assignments The somberness in a moment of science of seeing people going Tried to water the garden, but only weeds were growing Don't go there, I'm letting you know When tomorrow turns to yesterday, the measure is known Kept me living in the past, tried to make it my home But started packing up this baggage, now it's time to move on, I'm gone Let it go. We know it's time to set each other free, and if we're better off as friends, it seems the better off we'll be. all the time with Rashid I mean and uh, future collaborations for sure mm-hmm. and like anytime he needs a DJ yo Quaz I got a show in two hours <laughs> <laughs> I'm always there man so um, big supporter I love his music love his energy love the style and I love just the music man thanks for bringing like real hip hop hardcore gritty soulful music man we just became best friends just now <laughs> on the radio no nah, man quiet quiet really has that um you know um there's a style of music that's coming um that's really underground right now um goes under selection and um i got into it like sometime last year and like i was trying to tell people like yo man like this is where it's headed right now this is where it's headed and you know, I really like punk rock and I like soul music. That's something people don't know about me. That's why I perform the way I do, but I still rap like a rapper. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And um, Quiz, man, he he just has a completely different way of looking at things and his approach towards music and his sense of timing. And then um, the man is like an encyclopedia for music. I mean, being a DJ is like a prerequisite, but it's like every DJ don't know music the way this dude does. He knows how to play for a crowd. He feels energy. He, like, he has a pulse on the universe. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. 
it's like a, it's just very fortunate for me to know somebody like that. You know what I mean? And and just he's a good dude as well. You know, like yeah. I've had the, the the pleasure of like meeting Quaz a few times, and getting to to hang and just like a warm dude mm-hmm. all the time. And just like watching you guys interact in in the hour that you've been here, it just like appears that you guys really respect one another and have a good time hanging out with each other, which is just as important as as making music together. Yeah, I feel like, man, like, I've known Rishi for years. That's what it feels like every time we connect. And, like, you don't get that certain energy from a lot of people. You know what I mean? So, like, we can just don't see each other for months. And then, like, as soon as we connect, it's like we pick right up. Like, like it was yesterday. So... Man, uh, big ups to you. Shout out to Dan Cable, though. Like, yeah, thanks, Dan man. Cable, yeah, man. DC, everybody. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, you don't get enough props on this program. You really don't, man. <laughs> no, Rashid. Also, like, like you were talking about uh, your your love for for punk rock and like soul music and and how you kind of uh, express like that through your performance and just like high energy stuff. But then, you know. I don't think it was until like seeing you perform a couple times uh, recently, just got to like formally meet you at the Crave Dog Happy right. Hour event. Right. right. And that was the first time I got to like actually talk to you and not <laughs> just like see you at a show real quick. And you, you just have like a very calm demeanor to me. Yeah. Like much different than what you do on stage. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, I hold it all in, man. I'm, I'm a, I don't know. I don't know what they call it. Like, what they call that? Like, is that like a dissociative personality disorder? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know if it's that. But, it just seems like. Yeah, I just. I'm just always in thought when I'm. You know what I'm saying? But like, when it's time to go, like I cut it on. I hear you. I mean? you. And like, it gives music gives vent to like all the shit that I hold in. And every other day, like, it takes me a long time to get upset about stuff. So like, if I. I, I try to find positive vents for it. You know what I'm saying? So, like, when you get on stage, like, to me, that gives some people time to look cute. It gives me time to throw a temper tantrum if I feel that way. And, like, I just get to talk as much shit and people just clap. <laughs> just release all of that energy on stage yeah. in front of a bunch of people. Yeah. And that's a solid outlet for, for that. And But, yeah, even just, like, seeing what you're doing here in the studio, you're just hanging out, writing in your notebook and, and just yeah. di- kind of diligently working and, and, and just seem to have a focus about you as well as just, like, being able to fuck around here with Quas. Yeah, man. Like, it's hard for me to fuck with people who don't laugh at my jokes, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, anytime I can make somebody laugh, I feel like, all right, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm here right now. You know, I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> that's real man you know i mean i i think life in general we we've gotten too serious about everything and yeah. i think that the whole point of having a good time you got to have laughter so like if you ever in a situation and you're not laughing then you might as well just Somebody go finna get their ass yeah. whooped, <laughs> <laughs> that's real yeah, yeah, man, Matt Randall is yeah. here, everybody. Yeah. He is here. Yeah. Run. Need more yeah. cheese than a cheese plate, oh, man. man. Yeah. That's such a fun it. rhyme on that one. Gotta get it. Gotta Absolutely. Get it. Uh, that's reset button off his uh, new yeah. new EP called uh, Libero. Just seemed to be another one of these MCs that's uh, you know really exploring consciousness and self awareness and how to progress and and all the different perspectives on that so and i decided to like use it as a form of expression because at first i wasn't uh open to sharing that with people so um i would just put it in the music because i figured if i if i tell you maybe you might not grasp it all the way but if i could like express it 
over some music, you might be able to get it more and and shit. I don't know. I just stuck with it and it's become like my way to like stay sane pretty much. Who were uh, some of the early artists that had an impact on you when you were uh, when you were writing for the first time? Uh man, uh Notorious B.I.G. Uh heavy. I, I really like Biggie more than uh Pac initially and I would get ridiculed for that shit. I won't ridicule you for it <laughs> just because no. I, I, I fall to to that side of things. But Yeah, I mean I I guess I just was so uh intrigued by the storytelling and like his uh his schemes and shit. It was so dope. And then he also said he was talking about uh one more chance and how uh he was just saying the best club songs are the songs that were made for the club. Like, he didn't make that with the club in mind. So, you know, that's kind of how I, I look at shit, too, because, you know, I can try to make a club song and shit, and like, oh, man, I'm about to make the songs go tear the club up and shit. And it might not, you know, so maybe just just make a song, man, and it might impact, you know? Yeah, man, if your intentions are pure, good things usually happen from that, you know? Yeah, so, I mean, Biggie, uh, but Nas... Nas is a heavy influence on me. Uh, Eminem, um, Black Thought, Black Thought, heavy. Yeah, a lot of people don't talk about Black Thought, but you know he's top ten. <laughs> right For on, sure. Man. Like, nah, no, no question. Uh, most Def, Talib, Common, people like that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so really, uh, those dudes that are about talking about the real stuff and yeah 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 because you know i i used to um i used to go by uh chose or yeah chosen one and shit and i shorted for chosen i was like rapping about like that was around um like 50 cent and shit just came out so i was like rapping about shit i wasn't really doing you know <laughs> and uh i put out this mixtape uh called chosen untouchable so funny, you know, I was just trying to, like, state my claim, you know. And uh, my brother heard it. My older brother seldom seen shout out to him. His birthday was yesterday and shit. Uh, it's like my pops, pretty much. Like, uh, he, you know, he was there. My pops got sick and passed and shit. But, you know, he was there for me. And um, he was just telling me he heard the mixtape and shit. And he was like, man, like, did you kill all those motherfuckers you were talking about in the song? <laughs> I was like, uh, no. But he's like, man, nah, see, like, it's good, you know, like, I could see it working in the industry and shit like that, but I feel like it would be better if you were just doing your shit, because that way no one could pull your cart or anything like that, you know what I'm saying? Like, who, who like, wants to be in character all the time? So that's kind of how I looked at it. So I dropped the name, and I just go by my real name, you know what yeah. I'm saying? And it's just the best way to just give myself, you know, I'm, especially now I'm a, I'm a parent and shit. I'm not trying to be out here acting and shit. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I think that's yeah. just also like being being a part of the process of being a growing artist, though. You know, it's... Of course, yeah. I'm, you know, almost, I'm almost 30, man. <laughs> your, your point of view is, uh, you know, that's where you're writing from. So as time goes on, you have you have a... A different point of view and and you really learn where your voice is and exactly so, i mean all the other stuff before that is just exploring that so yeah that's good to see that you know there's progression there yeah that's that's uh that's what all this uh story is about i'm telling like a story throughout my stuff it's like it's all about progression and uh it's finding myself yeah i think that's what really resonated with me when you know i was turned on to the alignment thing it was like 
that whole thing centers just about, you know, self-progress and exploring, like, consciousness and just, you know, trying to figure out your being and stuff. Exactly, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it wasn't about me, like, finding myself completely. It was uh, the fact that I was taking the steps, too. So that's what alignment is for me. It was, like, aligning myself with the things that was going on, you know, and just, like, finally like taking them head on and facing them and putting them on these songs. That's why, you know, some of the things I was speaking about were shit I was going through and I had to sort out with, you know, so that's what alignment was for me. It was just like putting it out there so I could like make sense of it and try and work past it, you know, and that's what Libero is about is me freeing myself from those type of situations, you know? Yeah, for sure, man. And just like we were talking about in the other room before we got in here, that, that authenticity is, it's hard to deny. So when you're when you're talking about, you know, stuff about your son and and stuff through your lyrics, I mean, all that stuff is very powerful, like a great narrative about what's going on around you and whatnot. Um, exactly. What has his uh, effect been on your your art, man? Like, has he just been a part of your entire transformation of a being? Oh hell yeah, yeah, most definitely, man. I I feel like I, I was stuck. Cause I knew I was having, we were expecting, you know. So I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna like go through this process, and once he's born, see how that is, and then like create, and then you know put some shit out. So I, I, he definitely like, if he wasn't around, I probably wouldn't have been able to um, like really hit home the point I was trying to on alignment. So um, yeah, he he transformed everything as far as my music and just the way I move and operate too. Like I'm just, you know, way more mature without make situation you know like handle situations and go about everything because you know i have a life to take care of so you know that's life-changing man if you have children like you should know like that should change everything it should make everything like come into perspective for sure whim grace (laughs) um well actually we didn't have any music growing up when i was a kid uh we lived in a really strict household and uh, it was, like, the music we sang at church and um, classical music. My, my mom's side of the family is European. I'm, a, like, from a family of immigrants. I was born in the Philippines. And um, we would go to the symphony with my grandparents on special occasions. And um, even then, I mean, I've always been a really eccentric person. Um, I would listen to the music in the symphony, and I would close my eyes, and I'd put my hands, palm up on my lap as if I could like soak in the sound it just I just I don't know I was just mad about it I didn't actually know you could be a musician that was kind of a surprise to me I didn't know people were musicians <laughs> so so even at a young age like you're saying though it was, it was a very like religious experience for you like hearing music and yeah I mean that's the closest I mean I'm not, uh that's the closest thing I could probably related to is uh transcendent you know yeah. I, I felt connected to every aspect of existence with a vibration and it's always been that no matter what i'm listening to you know um so not <laughs> it wasn't i didn't hear some like pop song um, and i was like ooh, i want to make music like that i was just like I want to feel connected to everything. <laughs> well, since everything is vibration, I mean, I suppose that is the case, right? I mean, we all are vibration. Everything is vibration. So yeah. you're just connected with everything. So yeah. you were just maybe on a different level. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's and, how I'm feeling. It sounds like you're on another level. So. Yeah, and, and your music, I think, that is what it encaptures, is like that feel. It's, it's very transcendent, and it, I don't know, it removes me very much when, I, when I'm able to plug it into headphones. kind of removes me from where I am, and it just like allows me to drift off into this world that you create through it, so it's very cool. That's awesome to hear that it, it does that for people. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you channel all this energy from? Like, what, what is inspiring your compositions? Oh, dude, everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for, it's, it's always been really easy for me to write music. It's always just been very, very natural. Like, I just don't think about it that much. And is, is uh, your art and your songwriting just one of the ways that that helps you deal with existence here and yeah it's the only way i can deal with existence (laughs) i don't know about everybody else but damn it's fucking hard to be here sometimes you know yeah i I just feel like uh (laughs) listening to your music and and you know seeing like some of the the things that you write um just feels like you're you're really into exploring uh, your consciousness and the different elements of that and not just what's going on in front of you, but so. Um, if I think I always, I was always told that, you know, you could do anything you wanted. And I think I always believed that on like a molecular level. <laughs> it's like, if I really, really, really believed it, I could grow wings. I just don't really believe that. <laughs> <laughs> I've never gotten to that point. Um, and so I think everything everything I do is just an exploration of like of, of existence and growth. And I I always for some reason I feel like um, I see like a little bit. I don't want to say more, but like maybe just like a wider vantage point than uh, a lot of people, and that makes me kind of strange. Um, and then I also want to, always want to understand like what it was I was seeing and and uh why other people couldn't and also like being able to communicate that and then there's probably someone else who sees more than i do you know or differently a different hue and i wanted to understand that absolutely yeah that's uh that's the uh the trip of life is that we're all i mean we're all here and we're all in the same room but we're all like seeing things from a completely different perspective so it's very interesting and i think your music is such a cool insight to to the things that you see and provides such a really cool landscapes for that stuff so thanks i dig it i feel it thanks for feeling it yeah absolutely (laughs) it seems seems very next level to me blossom yeah it was it was very cool to see your performance and and just to meet you you seem to have this very uh warm presence to you and very uh very full of life and charismatic and, and just you. yeah you just seem like you're, you're flo- <laughs> like true, you're in your true. flow like and, and i'm just trying to have a good time full of life it's yeah. it's very apparent and and it definitely comes through in your tunes i think and and the vibes that are on on the uh the yeah. songs thank you um, i have a lot of help from neil vontelli who's here with me right now yeah, one of many but yeah <laughs> a, a killer producer so good People are starting to listen to singers again a lot more and people are going back to having singers on their songs and um, it's really, really been nice to see that and feel kind of that space and that vibe coming back again. Yeah. Because that's what I grew up on. I grew up on like love songs and um, R&B, soul, 
uh, you know, hip hop for sure. But there, you know, you had Faith Evans, you know, women like that singing on hip hop tracks too. And I thought that was pretty dope. Yeah, it's. Uh, do you feel like that? That's there's a reason to to any of that coming to life again. You know, um, I think that when artists started um, mixing fashion with music and starting to dive into the aesthetic and having their music have a whole aesthetic. Um, and in fashion, you know, recently in the past couple, you know, four or five years, 90s has really been a huge trend. Um, and artists have been really enjoying that self-expression again. And that's made them kind of dig into the archives of what inspired them back in the 90s or what inspired them to kind of love music or be about music and people are trying to bring that back because it's nostalgic and everyone loves nostalgia you know it seems to be a, a lot of a lot of vibey shit going on right now and it's, yeah. it's fun it's fun to listen to and experience and just uh speak a little bit more about what you're saying as as people like getting into the fashion or like just i feel like a lot of the uh the music like the the artists themselves seem to be diving more into like the visuals that yeah. um, are part of the show, or just be more a part of the artwork. And you know, you see some of these these people that are just unreal, and they can they can really dive in and master like every facet. Like I don't know, it's just it's just great to see people uh, taking like all aspects of it. Yeah, well, it's really thematic now. Yeah, yeah. And, like, one thing I noticed, too, at least, like, growing up, I, looking at how you're taught to find one career or one path and excel in that space and don't go out of your lane. Um, and I think people have started to access that you can have multiple lanes on one freeway, you know? So it's like you can access all different sorts of the things that you enjoy and utilize those passionate things things that you think could only be a hobby can actually be helpful to your career your path or or help you be inspired in that aspect i know starting to like be interested in music videos or things like that has helped me be more creative in how i write my songs because i know like this is how i want that You're to translate for that then yeah it's yeah, like yeah. it's all connected yeah it's much more of a renaissance thing to yeah. be like dipped into a lot of different things and i think that it, plays into you know hearing more vocalists nowadays as well like genre lines are really falling apart because of that because people mm -hmm. are starting to dabble in different things spend more time with people that listen to different music yeah. like beats that would have traditionally only been rapped over people can sing over now and people are enjoying mm -hmm. it's just a lot of stuff getting yeah. getting switched up a lot of walls broken yeah it can't it can't hurt to be more dynamic in any way so i mean you're really just like investing in yourself when you're when you're pushing those limits and and seeing like what other areas you can get involved with like in any of your production and stuff. It's just exactly. going to give you more attachment to it. Yeah. So it's, it's rad. It's coming across. It really is. I just feel, I just like your vibe and in, in your tunes and just been kind of geeking out on your SoundCloud and stuff. Yes, so. geek away. <laughs> uh, DJ Quaz from the collab PDX. In music for a long time, you know, at, like as a person, like someone in a band and whatnot. And I just feel like, uh, you know, like I wasn't ready to work that hard for it, you know, and I didn't, I didn't know the necessary time it took to, <laughs> right. to, you know, achieve those things and feel like you're on the right path. But 
yeah, it's just crazy to life, man. Fucking life, yeah, man. Life, God life damn, is wild. <laughs> life is a trip. But uh, one one thing I, I do appreciate about life is timing. They say timing is everything, but I think timing is just relative to now. Like, if 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 you, my favorite dream car is a Lamborghini, um, and I don't. It doesn't matter if I if I get it now or later. It's just that I get it right. So when that when I get it, the time. What does time matter? You know what I mean? So, you know, shout out to all the, the early bloomers of creatives and shout out, big shout out to the late bloomers, you know, and um, just don't don't ever let time be an issue or get in your way from you doing. Yeah. And also just, you know, don't be waiting for it. Hell no. You know, just don't wait for nothing, you man. Know, just you're waiting for it while it's happening. Like it's all just happening right now, you know? Yes. Don't wait for nothing, man. Um, Bro, like you you know what, man? I watch I watched um, Defiant ones. Have you checked that out? Yeah, it's a, yeah, really, yeah, it's a, really, it's really good, really dope, man. Great production, great storyline. But um, a couple things stood out to me, and the only one that you know in reference to what we're talking about now and is like feeling left out. Um, when Jimmy Iovine was saying he used the reference of like uh, racehorses. And he was like, you know why racehorses have blinders on? And basically, you know, if you are worried about what's to the left and what's to the right of you, you're going to miss a step. And they showed the, you know, the footage of like these horses all falling over each other. And um, that really made sense to me, man, because if you focus on yourself, you don't have anything compared compare yourself to because if you're staying in your lane if you if you put that energy and that focus on self and this is something that took me a long time to understand because I played sports you know I was an artist and I always wanted that belongingness to like feel a part of something and then I realized like the more that you're actually yourself it takes off the energy of worrying about how you compare to someone else or something else so um you know the collab is here for people to not even worry about that like it's 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 a it's a collective of people all with self-identity that respect themselves and not looking to up get one up on another person so chris young editor-in-chief of vortex magazine yeah just a couple things i guess to like close it out you're three years deep now on on this. Uh, what what is your biggest takeaway from it at this point? And what do you tell your yourself three years ago? Biggest yeah, biggest things are uh, like you can't do it alone, and you can't be afraid to ask for help. Which I guess kind of go hand in hand. Um, and so that's a big thing is like, I've always been a big advocate of, or a big observer. Uh, you know, I, I publish a music magazine, uh, but I'm not a musician. Like, you know, like I'm observing a lot of the stuff that's going on around me and I'm just kind of taking it all in. I'm looking for themes and patterns and just, you know, trying to figure it all out without actually being the guy that's like on stage playing the gigs. And so, um, I observe a lot of like really, really talented people that are doing things because they're passionate about it. And that goes for 
musicians and visual artists and like, you know, like a podcaster like you, it's like, we're all the people that put out the best stuff, the best work, you know, are often like, maybe they're being paid for it, you know, but they're also often doing it because it's like, they really care about it. And that's why the work that they put out is good. So I've always been a big advocate of finding out ways to like collaborate with those people and bring thing, bring it together. And that's very much how we met, you know, it's yeah. just like, it's like, yo, you have this awesome podcast. Like you've been doing really quality interviews and putting out good videos. Like there's gotta, like we gotta, our content is like we, we're, we travel on similar, we're traveling on similar ro- roads that are parallel to each other. It's like, maybe we can like put this thing together and like travel a little faster or Absolutely. something like that. Um, so, I mean, that, that's one thing is like, you always got to look at the, the people that, that you can work with to partnership, to further each other. You know, it's like, if you're aligned in terms of your mentality and there's so many people that I'm aligned with in terms of mentality, whether it's like x-ray or PRP or dens. So, yeah. So, you know, you can't do it alone. Uh, you know, like look for partnership, like look for collaboration, like look for the good people that are around you. And then, yeah, the hardest thing with the magazine, because I'm, I can be pretty anal about, uh, certain things. And I guess I have a pretty good dynamic with our graphic designer. Cause like, we just like go back and forth and meticulously tear stuff apart before we publish it. Um, but that, that kind of process is really time consuming and like again maybe that's why we only put out a quarterly magazine yeah (laughs) but um so i the point is though it's like you got to figure out the ways where you can ask for help because there's only so much time in the day and you know you know talking about like getting burnt out or whatever it's like there's also a lot of people out there that are really good at certain things and would be really gung-ho to work with you in certain ways you know so you got to you got to be willing to be pretty like open about where you're at with your situation and your business and have a very realistic take on what's happening with you in the present moment, whether or not that aligns with like where you really think you should have been or, you know, what you should be doing. But it's like, you got to be able to be like, yo, Hey, I need some help. Like who, who can come in here and like help me put on this event uh, we, we end every episode of this podcast with the, uh, the guest saying and it's a program. I know how so we this, end it. This is the opportunity for you to, to give us a good, it's a program. It's a program. <laughs> he nailed it. From episode 50, small million. That's right. It seems like you guys work very well as a duo. Mm. Yeah, it's great. It's really great because we can uh, we can delegate responsibilities. I find it really nice just working with one other person, like one relationship to manage, and a really easy back and forth. Like absolutely, because that's yeah. uh, the hardest part of oh, yeah. a band oh, is yeah. is uh, managing those relationships. So when you only have one to focus on, it really yeah. it's only one person to argue with, and uh, yeah, and we argue very constructively, <laughs> don't we? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, said the better. He just agrees with me. It works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How much has has Ryan changed the way you write? Oh, that's interesting. I think. Or do you feel like you're just kind of? Uh, these songs sound really different than my other songs, even lyrically. So I think um, he these these tracks are coming so from the gut that I think I have to write more from the gut. And so writing lyrics for this, it's less of a uh, a long form puzzle that I really need to puzzle over. It's just kind of like what comes out and um, what's what's inspiring me, and really hope hopefully finding emotional veins. Well, 
less Please intellectual keep, veins. Uh, keep writing from the gut because okay, that sweet. seems to be like really <laughs> fucking working out for you. And I haven't heard any of your other music, it's but like cool. yeah. this seems to be like a very natural transition for you. Yeah, like, totally. Um, yeah. Um, the before the the fall EP. Yeah, I love all of these songs so much. Thank like that. you. And it has Thank such a so cohesive much. feel. Like mm. it's such a kill. Like this is a really fun record to cruise around Portland to at night. Oh, like, sweet! Especially it when is you're a nighttime record. Across that that like waterfront, like able to see the the cityscape and whatnot. Sweet. But it's just a fun. I can't decide if it's a summer or a winter record. You know, like with people, you pick like, oh, you have summer coloring, you have winter coloring. Um, I, I don't know, but you're right, nighttime. Definitely. Nighttime. Yeah. Either way, it could be I, a little bit. Either of both. way, like I'll yeah. I'll be playing it in many summer nights. Nice. I've, I've, Windows down. Just yeah, it's gonna. Cruise. It's, it's it, definitely. It puts happen. you in sort of a mournful like, this is me, lonesome warrior, out on the road. Like, I, I, that's the vibe I would get. From yeah, it, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it feels. Uh, it feels feels very genuine and deep and it seems like it comes from a cool place like musically and lyrically so thank you really appreciate that thank yeah you yeah so much you really listen to it absolutely i've i've been listening to this thing just over and over <laughs> since awesome. i since i heard it the first time and cool. then even more over the like the last couple of weeks because i knew that you guys were going to come in yeah. and and do this whole deal and yeah. i'm just super pleased to have you like sweet, sweet. i thank love you. to hear that there's a moment in the like that the song's develop for you you know that there's like a point you're looking forward to because i think for me writing these it's been really important to have them not kind of do the same thing the whole Mm -hmm. time but to go to go somewhere and Mm -hmm. not maybe a traditional verse chorus verse chorus structure but something taking you on a journey with the vocals and ryan does that so naturally with the instrumental tracks that it was really fun to match that with the vocals also hooky as fuck though, like, <laughs> but in, in the best way. Hooky yeah, as fuck. Know? What's going in our bio? I, which I love. I hope like, it does. Yeah. Like I hope it just says Dan <laughs> hooky Cable, as hooky as fuck. <laughs> Rare monk. Yeah, man. <laughs> Killing yeah. it. Thank you. Yeah. Stoked to have you guys here. It sounds fucking really good. Like, yeah. Thank you so much uh, for having us. Yeah, this the, is really fun. <laughs> like having the. Uh, the studio performance doesn't like take away anything. I feel like from what you guys do live, Good. which well, is thank rad. You. Thank you. It's coming across very cool. Um, yeah, I've been definitely like geeking out on this uh, this new record that you put out, and it's cool to hear that it's kind of uh, you know self funded and and kind of done at the way you wanted to do it and yeah. at the pace you wanted to do it because yeah. I haven't uh, stepped like over into like record label signing or anything like that but i've definitely you know made a couple different projects one with the intention of like trying to get some attention and and kind of having all those pressures and then making some other projects where it's just kind of like for fun and at my own pace and like just with that pure intention and it just seems to be a completely different vibe when when creating that thing sometimes yeah definitely yeah yeah well and sometimes those uh like where you're not invested in or like your thought process isn't on that attention is when you actually get attention yeah absolutely <laughs> when you're not searching for yeah. it yeah definitely um yeah do you find that the like the songwriting and recording process is much different than when you and Forrest started this thing eight years ago it's definitely a lot more evolved i don't know that it's totally different though i, I mean, mean like we still kind of all jam together and thrive off each other's riffage and random things the writing process is yeah 
probably the exact same, yeah. I'd say. But we've learned a lot. I mean, we've worked with some amazing people, some great studios, some yeah. great producers. So we've learned a lot about how we need to prepare before we go into <laughs> you know, a studio recording. I think uh, the very first time we went to a studio was, was pretty bad. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, we, were, <laughs> we were totally unprepared. Yeah, well, we were totally unprepared, and, and half the band got very drunk, and yeah. it was, it was, it was not, good. not a good look, as no. our, as our uh, manager would say. <laughs> not we, uncommon, we, though. We learned from <laughs> not that. Not uncommon. We learned from but that. But that was the first lesson, you know. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then but, the next time was a lot better. Yeah. Right? I mean, we've learned definitely to come into a studio situation very prepared. Um, you know, we do demos, we make notes, we have, you know, a lot, you know, together before we step into the studio. So I think that just, just maturing, I guess, as artists and recording artists Learning over stuff the years. Over, yeah. over time, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, it definitely makes it, when you're that prepared, it makes the recording process much. But like the general, relaxing. the general, like how we initiate stuff is still basically the same as it ever was, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's just, hey, I found this. I was playing guitar the other day and found <laughs> this. <laughs> is that is that usually where it starts? Yeah, with, with you. Yeah, or like, like some somebody comes up with a, a riff or a part of some yeah. kind. It's always it's a like, riff. Oh, this is fun. Yeah, it's it's one riff, and then we kind of well, this album we had a couple of songs that Dorian brought lyrics in first, but for the I would say ninety percent of our songs we write all of the instrumentals first, yeah. and, and like then, collaboratively and just yeah. like a dirty band space yeah it's great and then we send dorian to the just a dark hole to just write really <laughs> weird lyrics yeah, and yeah. he comes covered in ice and we're just like yeah. what How i would say happen? from com- coming from other bands where one person writes the songs and then teaches everyone the parts this band is so much more fun to play in just because we do literally just get together and it may take longer, I don't know, but we just jam and collaborate, and it's... So you feel like you're in the band and not exactly. just like a role play, like, yeah. oh, I just learned the parts today, and... Yeah. Everyone has a piece. Exactly. Yeah. We make sure yeah. everyone has their ideas, mostly listen to. <laughs> <laughs> Autonomics. Naturally, like when I was first writing songs and everything, and then, uh, yeah, then, but we also, you know, we love to rock and roll, and... Uh, you rock and roll all night, you know. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a good thing to rock and roll. Whoa, right? man! I should write a song about yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. About how it's time to rock and roll. You <laughs> yeah. know, Dan's a fucking pioneer. <laughs> rock uh, and roll all night, all night, <laughs> all and night, and part says. of every day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude, you guys are definitely uh, some fucking party music. Like, yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't know why it's like kind of kind of seeps into. I don't know. When we're writing songs, we just try to consider uh, the energy energy level that we're trying to to make, and we're really picky about <laughs> like what we're actually going to play live, uh, and uh, we just try to make it as like danceable and fun as we possibly can. Yeah, it seems like that's that's what's happening, you know. And uh, it's fucking fun to be out in the crowd, especially last night. I know this is going to come out a little bit later, but last night was your your record release for for debt. Uh, uh, dead sounds. Dead sounds. Yeah, <laughs> super buttery, bro. <laughs> super buttery. Yeah. Butter, dude. Super buttery. Uh, for dead sounds, and I was there at the Doug Fur last night, and it's so fun to watch people moving, man. Because yeah. I don't feel like that that happens all the time, and to see see like a small circle pit almost break <laughs> out at the Doug Fur last night, and and just the entire show, just watching people moving, it's it's hard not to 
to groove and move with you guys when when you're doing it like that. Yeah. I mean, have you uh, have you played the you played Ocarina of Time, the Zelda game? I have not. Well, for the listeners, for the listeners, <laughs> no, it's okay. You will, uh, <laughs> but. <laughs> But uh, at the end of that game, you're fighting Ganondorf. It's like really epic, and like he like summons up this big energy ball, and he throws it at you, and you have to like deflect it with your sword, and then he deflects it with his cape, and it goes back and forth and back and forth until it lands on somebody, and it like you know explodes into like this crazy aura of energy, and that's kind of what we try to do at shows, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> I just gave myself away. <laughs> dude, like, oh my god. We play shows a lot like just me, just me. We play shows a lot like we play video games, which is like all the fucking time. And, uh, you know. Hey. We, hey. <laughs> well, this, you know, this is I mean, as much as this is a video as game. As much as time allows. We're we're like, a video game band. You know, we uh we draw a lot of influence from like Evan said, Ganondorf. Yeah, that, He's, was, that was a breakthrough for me. Actually, yeah. <laughs> like, I remember. I remember when I beat that game when I was nine years old. I was like, I know I want to be a career musician now. You know, when I beat Ocarina of Time, that was the defining was moment in my music career. Yeah. Skull Diver. <laughs> um, oh man. Mandy, when did <laughs> you when did you start writing songs? Um, when did that part come into play? I I started. <laughs> Well, I started out writing poetry, and I would always have a book and just write tons of stuff in it. Um, when I was really, really young, I, I, I remember doing it in elementary school and, uh, you know, singing into the back end of a hairbrush in my room, like, uh, to these, these poems I had written and listening to a lot of Paul Simon, so I wanted to be, like, a song poet. And um, it just is something that I've always kind of done. Like, any, it was really therapeutic for me, anything I couldn't. Uh, express to people or talk about I would just write it down in my little song diaries <laughs> that's not nerdy at all <laughs> it's really cute <laughs> and when, when did you start kind of applying that to some music um well when was we wrote our first song together I think I was 10 yeah and and Allie was playing piano and I sat down and Saying something, it was really like an epic song. It was really yeah. musical theater. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know what happened. We then, just started cinematic. But then, then we <laughs> then we had a punk band after yep. that um, when we were in uh, junior high. Yep. So we did. Who didn't? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> were both of you uh, pretty drawn to the darker side of music? I don't know. Just or was was there some? Different uh, kind of evolutions of, of the, the songwriting, or has it always is, been kind of like Were a, you ever happy? That's <laughs> what he's trying like to where say. Does, where does, where does we, the, we go in there. Where does the darkness derive uh, from? <laughs> it's, it's strange because, uh, you know, we, by nature, we're actually quite, uh, quite happy people. And um, I think that a lot of the music has to, it just ends up being darker because a lot of the inspiration... Um, we draw on it has to do with our past and you know just being um kids partying watching our friends die like just a bunch of really um kind of just messy stuff and playing off of you know the reality of that and being really true to that mandy is also a very um a very intense poet <laughs> we'll call it that she's she's a she's a poet m'lady <laughs> <I'm> an <intense laughs> poet. <laughs> i'm not when, taking their branding when did you start playing drums annie uh i started when i was 10 
Um, but I, I tap danced before that. So I was always feeling a little rhythmic. Yeah, I you guess. already had that rhythm yeah. when you got on the kit. Yeah, I tap danced for about three more years after that. And then I, I, I dove into music full force. Is <laughs> You know, Paul Simon's drummer was a tap dancer. So, oh, what's his name again? I'm spacing his name. Um, I, I forget, but um, yeah. Anyways, I think it's uh, something that that can be a, a good learning tool for kids. Um, just dance in general at the beginning. Absolutely. I did not have enough patience to just like sit still and play on the piano, so I just decided to, to dance first. I guess. Right on. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you got on the drums eventually. Yeah. Because yep. you're super fun to watch live. and We're all glad. I think that you're... Uh, I'm glad. The, the I'm technicality glad. of like some of the roles that you, you do are super rad. Thank you. So. It's, sometimes when Zanny plays, especially when we're recording, Manny and I were just like looking at each other and we we're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Did she just no. like roll for an entire, like, all the If anyone if anyone cares to listen to my favorite Zanny moment of all time, it's on the record on the song The Attic. Towards the yeah. end, in, um, I think it's the third chorus, Yeah, she does this fill, and it's, like, perfect. I had, like, ten toms, I guess. No, you did the craziest one, and I just remember, I had a little thing of it. It was yeah. epic. <laughs> That's funny that you said that because that definitely like in my uh, my notes here, like on the attic is you had that drum fill that's, noted. That's such a great. Like I was just kind of <laughs> noted that that's a great track that's to represent f- what what Zanny does as a drummer and oh, how cool. like how talented she. That's is. the first drum fill I think DC has ever noted for the program. <laughs> <laughs> so you can, really, uh, really going deep. You know? wow. We're on, we're on episode sixty or so. You gotta like start making different moves. Yeah, you right. really gotta like. Start you don't want to be pigeonholed in. into some sort of like. No. Oh, he always asks about that. When is he gonna ask about a drum fill? <laughs> oh, he's asking the songwriter yeah. what inspires them again. Um, Real fucking cool. I, yeah. think, I think I actually I write down all of my favorite drum fills. I think that's minute three um, <laughs> and thirteen oh. seconds. Actually, yeah. Yeah. Make my like, I'm just kidding. I make my proper note over here. Three thirteen. Right, check drum fill. Just in general. Zeke Rudick from Young Elk. So yeah, it was it was it was it was definitely an interesting um, juxtaposition of just super conservative um, religiosity with like a kind of like a brewing like deeply liberal punk culture kind yeah. of underneath the service. And, um, and I, I think, you know, as a kid, I always felt kind of um, caught between two worlds, you know, like, um, because, you know, I, 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 I was a believer in that faith pretty devoutly too when I was growing up before it all <laughs> went to shit. But uh, yeah, it just always felt really conflicting because I was, you know, I was really, you know, I got turned on to, the punk thing, you know, in the early teens, and that was um, a big deal, but I was also in the midst of, like, you know, figuring out who I was, and um, all these pressures from just growing up in a Mormon family of just what you, what you're supposed to believe, and the questions you're allowed to ask, and, um, yeah. Right on. Uh, Did you, did you find music pretty early on? 
Uh, I mean, yeah, in my family, music was always there. I mean, records were very much a part of the equation. Um, always grew up with, with uh, you know, Elvis and Waylon Jennings. I think I started discovering, like, more... I, I started discovering punk when I was, like, 13 or 14. Um, unfortunately, I mean, not unfortunately, but this seems generic. Like, through, I had a crush on a girl, and she, like, really liked... Um, pavement and uh, um, Sonic Youth and stuff, and uh, that's kind of what got the got the got the fire started um, early on. Um, and then it was just history from there. And then I just immediately, I mean, after that whole thing passed, I, I mean, I think everyone was waiting for it to be a like a, a phase. They were waiting for it to go away. Uh, it never really went away. As far as like music, <laughs> music like, yeah, you, like, like you, it kind of grabbing you and you kind of yeah. just like really diving into records and, and bands and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I, th I think they expected it to be like, oh, this girl thing's over. So now he can go back to just being a Boy Scout or whatever. But it never happened. I mean, it's, I think it's part of my upbringing's fault of like just constantly filling my head with music. So I actually just became an um, instant obsessive, you know, just to the point where I just listened to everything I could and read every like music biography I could like I mean my dream job at the time was you know outside of just being in a band was like just to be a you know like a rock writer you know like Lester Bangs and <laughs> you know that's 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 what I really wanted to do and um I realized just if you know probably about five years ago that I'm always going to be the guy who's going to be processing what he's going through what I'm going through with music it's just always what it's going to be and i i think i i hit that stride when i i um a band that predated uh young elk was this band violent psalms that i was in and uh i mean that was kind of my first foray into like actually leading a band and because before it was like i was playing drums and bands that's kind of like what all i've ever done but um but yeah with with violent psalms it was like my first foray into like actually telling you know really personal intimate stories and that's that's just what seemed so natural to me what i mean it's it can be uncomfortable for the people around me but it's uh yeah it just seems it seems to be the only way i can do it like honestly yeah, yeah man i i it all resonates a lot with me i've i'm always drawn to that type of of thing and and also just uh from a songwriting aspect i feel like it's it's always been easier for me to to explore my feelings mm -hmm. through writing and um it's it's been such a positive tool mm -hmm. and i don't know it seems to be that way for yourself as well and in such an interesting way to be able to uh just pour some things out and then kind of look back on them or or look at them from different angles after they've They've been put down. Yeah. Um, definitely uh, uh, interesting way to to feel your emotions, and uh -huh. I mean, especially when you're you're playing those songs over and over. Um, um, I would imagine that it's easy for you to take yourself back to those emotions, and sometimes that can make it hard to let go of those emotions yeah, yeah. as well so it's an interesting thing yeah for sure for sure yeah i think uh i mean i think one of the things that um has surprised me about the young elk record is you know i i think i think i, I used i mean for my whole life like how you're describing like it's hard to let go but like now when we finish this record and i i kind of 
you know, I'm surveying it now. Um, I'm just like, oh, yeah, I said that thing. And I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm not like, it's not going to crush me to keep singing these songs, yeah. you know? Like, I'm, I'm, it's, it's helped me, like, okay, I made peace with that thing. I may not totally resonate with the whole thing, but, like, yeah, that was necessary. And it was whether whether anyone gained anything from it or or it was just felt like a narcissistic, uh, you know, exploration. I, I mean, at the very, at the end of the day, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I can move on, let's move on to the next thing. And I can still enjoy this and um, appreciate it for what it was, yeah. Luke Neal from Portland Radio Projects. As someone that's facilitating these types of conversations, um, do you feel like uh, you're more vulnerable in the state of performing music or being uh like engaged in these these conversations that are that are happening is it that's a really great question i think it's easier to be on stage um from the aspect that you can control everything is not a conversation yeah so that's a little weird i think that's a vulnerable thing when you're maybe not comfortable, but if you're comfortable in your wheelhouse in the music business performing, you're controlling everything you can control. I could still be 100% at the top of my game on the radio or feeling really comfortable and stuff can still go wrong. You know, I've had plenty of times where I've forgotten to turn off the automation on the on the song playlist and I'd be hearing a song in and doing a really smooth outro to intro my guest again. And the next song (laughs) fucking blares up and I'm like, no, you know, and that stuff happens. So it's pretty vulnerable to get those and those things can shake you. Um, but I also think I look at it that I've been talking longer than I've been playing music. So I could probably talk my way out of a situation, an awkward situation easier than I could if a guitar string broke on stage or something like that. Uh, But yeah, I think conversations are always more vulnerable. And even though in what you do and I do, we may feel it's repetitious, some of the questions we ask, it's important to ask those questions. But then it's to me, it's also that pinwheel game of like, choose your own adventure. You know, as someone's answering a question, and I'm listening to it, I'm trying to, I mean, you know, the game, you're trying to what can I do to progress this story without also not asking something a little too deep? <laughs> I think the hardest part of doing an interview or like facilitating a conversation like this is listening to the answers being given because, I mean, usually I walk into the conversation with at least some notes and they're not necessarily all questions, but there are at least some guidelines of where I would like to push the conversation, but sometimes that's not where the conversation goes. So you really got to listen to what's happening. And I think that can be hard sometimes because you're listening and trying to remember, like think back to those notes and like where you want to take it. And just like you were saying, it's just like, it is choose your own adventure, you know, let just kind of got to let it be sometimes. And just like, because that's probably where the good stuff's going to be. Yeah. You can't, You can't force it and you, you know, I've got, you've seen me do my show. I'm pretty, you know, I've got a playlist rundown. I've got a question rundown. And then, uh, so there's a lot for me to juggle just from the rundown perspective. 
And since PRP is an independent radio station and we're funded by supporters, we don't have to have commercial breaks. So that's a benefit to me in the radio game, but there's still exactly what you're saying when you're asking questions and thinking about them. I'm also thinking about my segments for the radio going, okay, we need to get back to some music. Um, I'm fortunate enough on my show that it's an interview-based show um, on Tuesday nights, but I still have to play, you know, I still try to get through 20 songs in two hours. So there's sometimes a lot to juggle and it can get, it can get weird. And then I always like it when, uh, when a guest is just cracking up and making us laugh because I know they're in a good place. Or, you know, even on the other side, when artists tear up and cry, it's like any one of those visceral emotions, I'm good with it. We got a, we got a hot episode today. That's right. We got, we got Isabel here. Uh, yeah, you mentioned that there was, you know, an acoustic guitar in, in the house. Mm-hmm. Like, how early uh, did you start playing oh, music? Man. I feel like it should be a lot better for his early. Um, yeah, my dad kept this old family guitar um, from his side, and it was this really baby Martin, and it was beautiful. I mean, it's ug- it was ugly, but it made beautiful sounds. And he kept it around, so all of us kind of tinkered with it, end of elementary, middle school. Um my brother probably picked up on it the fastest, but I've been playing it, at least closetly playing it since middle school. Um, and then sharing probably outside of my family, that probably wasn't until like end of high school where I f- finally admitted to like my teammates and other people like, yeah, I write songs <laughs> and I like them. Yeah. <laughs> um, were you just like early on in the, the songwriting as far as lyrically or mm-hmm. you just... Uh, like spouting off poetry or were you just kind of just using it as an outlet for all the crazy things going on in your mind or yeah that, Def- <laughs> that. definitely <laughs> that um I don't know if I I probably thought I was much more poetic than I was um my uncle that lives up here he was he's always when he works with me with songwriting he's always trying to tell me to balance that like uh dear diariness with that sounded like I said diarrhea. Um, with like being honest and transparent and no personal. One that no one thought that. Man, that. I heard diarrhea <laughs> loud and clear. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, anyways, uh, trying to be transparent, but also making sure that it's not so, I don't know, like hard on your sleeve that no one else can connect with it because it's so personal. But that's, I still struggle with that. But early on, it was definitely my thoughts my opinions, I was definitely shy when outside of my family, inside of my family, I would say, and whatever I thought. Um, but outside of that, definitely shy. So songs, it was something like I could persuade someone to something or tell them how I felt or argue with them. But if I did it through song for some reason, they were willing to listen to it and hear me out versus the panicked ears getting hot and red, handshaking, if I tried to do it just like in spoken words. So... Yeah, I yeah. I totally relate to that. It's very uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very much easier for me to, yeah. to put my thoughts down like in song and even express them mm-hmm. through song. And uh, I know, obviously, you know, you're afforded the time to do that when you're writing a song, so you can you know just put some more thought mm-hmm. into your your thoughts and and expressing those emotions. But uh, yeah, I've definitely had a few people just kind of say like. It's really interesting to me that you're willing to go out and play music in front of yep. people and say all of these like very vulnerable things, but you cannot have a conversation to express these yeah. emotions. No, I agree. And I, I think it is somewhat of an enigma. I mean, I feel like they can exist side by side, but I, I do. 
admit that it is strange, that I can come out with something and say it and then be done. And if they were to ask me that in person, I would beat around the bush or get nervous or just avoid it altogether. Yeah. yeah. And I saw you play the other night at Alberta Street Pub, and that was the first time I got to see you play like a full-length set. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, you mentioned once during the set about struggling to with uh, identifying as a musician. Can you yes. kind of like talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I don't know if I've like arrived <laughs> at that, but it's better. Um, so I'm a teacher and that was never a back burner job. And I think that's what a lot of people thought. Like, I'm either teaching as long as it takes to, for something to catch for me, with music. Um, it was, like, longer. The longer I've been in it, the more I'm like, I just, it's both and. Like, I have a really strong desire to work with youth and a really strong desire to make music and share it with as many people that will listen. But having some family members maybe who are musicians or just peers who I've seen really work hard and pursue it and like make leaps and bounds or or they would be labeled like really successful that they were musicians to me and I was like it was like my side thing like I think it was easier to be like it's my hobby and then that way if something didn't take off it was kind of this default of like yeah I was just you know I was just trying like playing around (laughs) with it on the side so when I I mean I, I know it's been coming about sooner or a long time um but in just in the last year, I, I scaled back on my teaching to like a part-time position with the intent of saying, I'm trying. Like I'm actually like coming out with what I already felt for years and years. And that's I've actually intentionally been writing and trying to play and listening and making space for it. And now I'm just going to tell everyone who's around me like, yeah, it's not just a hobby. I've been doing this so you can keep me accountable to it. And if I don't, I don't know. It felt like it was opening me up to people being like a musician, but... Do you know, like, do you know enough? Do you have enough connections? Are you good enough? I'm like, oh, I don't want to answer all those questions. So it was just safer to say, oh, yeah, I teach. And then yeah, I just do some music. But you've got to be like, you're the cool teacher, right? I don't know. They came out to your show. That was cool. Yeah, that was cool. That was cool of them. Yes. I said cool three times right there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> She's got to be the cool, cool. I did. Well, I did. Oh, oh, in the yearbook, you know, the, what are they called? Where they do like. Most likely to succeed. What are those? Those uh, are things? Yeah. The um, uh, the deal. Those things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They did <laughs> one for the teachers and I got best listener. <laughs> best listener. Which honestly, I take great pride in. Yeah. But it didn't say coolest teacher. So I'm just not going to call myself that, but I am a g- great listener, supposedly. <laughs> I feel like. You so know, I would like to take that one. <laughs> right. That you can own. They've <laughs> actually given you that credit. I would like a medal. I feel like, you know, when students start attending your, you know, your rock and roll shows, you're, you're right up there. Okay, yeah, you're cool. probably one of the cool ones, I okay. would imagine. I'll take that. And I bet that you're someone that they are, you know, inspired by. I and, think, uh, I hope. And maybe have a different connection to. Because, I don't know, I had this teacher, Mr. Williams, in high school, and he was my favorite teacher. And I think... It, like we all knew that he played in bands growing up mm-hmm. and still like at that time he was still playing shows here and there on the weekends and he would talk to us about that mm-hmm. especially those of us that were also playing music in high school and those conversations were more important than anything you know I was being taught other places just cuz there was that like that relatability yeah. and like he showed up to our first show like in high school at the record store and like, that shit was cool. Yeah. And he would walk around, like, telling other students, like, 
hey, you know Dan Campbell? He's got a band. Like, they're good. Like, they're cool. You're good. You should show up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> He's like, good show last night. It's like, oh, cool, man. Like, Mr. Williams. <laughs> no, that, you know, it makes sense. I mean, I guess I, I would, I would have wanted that. And I think maybe I had that more in my family. But yeah, that would have been. And when I say those things, like, what was it Mr. Williams? Yeah. Rest when in he, peace, oh, rest Mr. Really? Williams. Really? Yeah, unfortunately. Oh. But he was the best. Cool, he was man. a cool dude. The way that he, like, celebrated you guys, I I feel like it's safe to assume that he really believed it. Like, when I, when the students, we, we had this little open mic thing in my classroom at lunch just because there were a number of people who were writing and just needed a place to, I mean, I kept thinking about how nervous I was to go out in Portland and do the open mics. I'm like, why don't we just do one in the classroom at lunch? If I was nervous, they must be really nervous. And when they would play, I'm genuinely excited. Like, yes. Yeah. Your start, like, so I... I feel safe to assume that Mr. Williams was genuinely stoked about you guys playing and getting out there. Yeah, and I think he just, you know, he understood the importance of it. Yeah. You know, he be- maybe, like, didn't think we were going to be the best <laughs> band of all time, but he believed in the importance of that. So yeah. I think, you know, you have that perspective where, you know, if you if you catch some kid just, like, writing lyrics in, in, the, in the room while yep. they're supposed to be doing something else, like, you might have a different understanding of that or, like, yeah. how important it is to them to like be doing their art yeah you know? so. and the off track stuff is pretty productive yeah yeah for no, sure no there was one student he had uh he didn't answer like the bottom half of this assignment but he i thought they were song lyrics so i approached him like what's this like what are you writing right here he's like oh i just I'm like it's like a song do you have music to this and he's like no I'm like, we should put music to this I'm like this is good <laughs> you and you need to finish the rest of this assignment but <laughs> but this stuff this is good too Run with it, but yeah, I hope so. Yeah, that's awesome, though. What is this uh, song called? This song is called Where Do We Go? And it's about losing someone. Actually, no, it's more about the space left when someone dies, yeah. Life's light is going out, but your love is alive. There are ghosts that open up your kitchen, cabinets, and they're drinking from a coffee cup. I won't let the new ones fill in the gaps. It's no trouble, it's what I want Life's light is going out, but your love is alive That open up your kitchen cabinets And they're drinking from your coffee cup I won't let the new ones fill in the gaps It's no trouble, it's what I want 
Antoine Martel, a.k.a. Sous Chef. Like, as a musician, when you started playing music and stuff, because I know Word. when I first saw you, you were playing guitar mm-hmm. in a band called New Lungs. Yep. However, I did not I did not know that the guitar is not, like, your go-to instrument. No. It's, it's more more the keys that you're, like, classically trained on, yeah? Yeah. So, it, it sounds, you know, I feel like when I speak with most musicians they always have like some kind of long and colorful history with why they became musicians and all this stuff and like how it all panned out and mine's no different when i was like four or five i started playing piano 
right? And parents partially, and also I just had shown like a little interest for it, I guess, when I was a kid and noodling around my grandma's piano and stuff. But uh, it was classical stuff, and, and I'm a like five to fourteen year old kid. It's like nine years of classical music, and I'm I'm not like into it. I'm not stoked. I'm just, I'm doing it because I'm supposed to do it, and I'm putting up a fight, practicing all this stuff all the time, you know. But my parents are good parents, making me do it. And uh, it was when I turned like fourteen and fifteen, I accomplished this task. They had set, made me set a goal when I started playing music. They're like, "Ah, oh, you need to have a goal. Like, what are you, what are you working towards?" And I was like, "Ah, stupidly." Five-year-old Antoine's like, "I want to learn how to play Rhapsody in Blue by George Gershwin," which, like, at the time, I didn't realize that that would take like a decade. <laughs> <laughs> but um, eventually, I got to a place where I played like a good enough version of that that they were like, "All right, cool. You have accomplished the goal that you initially set out for yourself. We will no longer force you to play the piano. Like, what would you like to do? You have to keep doing something artistic." And so, like, you know, 14 years old, starting to try to understand what it means to be, like, cool, quote-unquote, at school. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'll play the guitar. Like, that sounds pretty tight. And I went and picked up the guitar, played the guitar. And my guitar teacher, this guy, Brendan Bosworth, um, he just, like, showed me that music could be really, really fun. And, like, how, how, much, like, how much I could enjoy what I was doing. And so the guitar really quickly became, like, something that I loved. And continued with over the next few years i went to college studied music kept playing mostly guitar in college but like college started to force me to get back into piano a little bit there were like keyboard proficiency classes i had to take and like just for like music theory and stuff it was really useful it's the main game now because i spent a lot more time doing that growing up like i'm it's now i've now that i've gotten into like synths and keyboards and all that stuff it's become like really fun it's gone away from the classical world which being older, I can appreciate the classical music a lot more and, like, what I was doing and all that stuff. And I still, like, learn some pieces for fun sometimes. But, um, I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm in, like, a really fun phase now with how I relate to those instruments. I feel like you're, you're happiest back on the keys now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just, more I feel, comfortable. Exactly. I'm, I, I just, there's all this, like, years of forced practice, which I didn't do as much with the guitar, that, like, now I, I can fall back on, like, a little more just technical bass, which is nice. Absolutely. So... But um, I started, thanks to, I was living with jazz musicians, and thanks to them, I started listening to a lot more, like, Flying Lotus, specifically. And then I became, like, Thundercat, and then, like, all these different kind of L.A.-based guys. And I moved back here and was doing, listening to, like, Mind Design, Knowledge, and Mad Lib, and uh, Dilla got introduced in my life, like, pretty late. I'd say I was very late to the Dilla game. Um, it's never too late. You know, it's never, it's never too late to learn about a genius. That's for damn sure. <laughs> um, but, uh that all that music started really inspiring me as to like just it opened up so many possibilities like to me for a long time I was I was writing songs like a lot of my I think even my musical life still I'm a very like it's very structuralist I was very much into like music structure and how it all works was very much a, a huge part of what I thought about all the time but I had never until I started listening to all those guys like I had never really experienced the total freedom David Barber and Radio Phoenix um, David, when you started kind of writing back, like even as early as eighth grade, was it kind of always uh, with like a rapper hip hop approach or was it kind of just like some, some poetry at first or just, just writing some, some lines? Um, it was, it was both actually for, for a really long time, even like through elementary school and middle school, I enjoyed writing poetry and, uh, but it, like it became more hip hop and rap about that time like in high school but it's still it stayed like two different lanes like i still i've always enjoyed writing any style um and then and then the hip-hop writing on the side um but yeah 
what what are uh who are the artists or mcs that you feel like have had the most impact on your style or have influenced you the most over the years i always have that answer planned there's three (laughs) Uh, there's a most deaf for sure and then uh lupe fiasco and common and common's usually my number one pick (laughs) those are those are yeah. Very solid picks. Yeah, those are the main three that really uh, had the biggest impact and biggest influence on me. Just like their lyrical content, the vibe of their music, and um, their their musical approach to it. Like so much hip hop nowadays is like like has this imagery of yeah, I'm I'm a rapper and I make hip hop, but it's so far removed from the musicality that it should be rooted in. And those guys like Common and Most Def, they're so rooted in that music that yeah. Those are like, very very heady rappers and and not even like heady as in like oh super smart super intellectual but just musical and just feeling based which is really what i dig about those guys but yeah i feel like that that definitely all comes through in your vibe like everything seems to be very like introspective and um trying to put out a a positive vibe and a positive outlook on on some things but also just like really exploring some some of the things going on in your mind and seems like there's like some socially conscious stuff and just seems very genuine mm-hmm. was it was there something that made you want to do the full band or live live band hip-hop rather than spitting over tracks yeah the the biggest reason or not the biggest reason but um i'm a jazz musician as well i play guitar and um and i think that hip-hop is a direct branch of jazz so i feel like these guys are a trio they're they're mainly like a funk hip-hop trio but they're all very capable jazz musicians and i i even talked lee and i have had so many conversations where i was like dude we got to make this record like kind of blue or like i love supreme like this has got to be like a jazz record but it's just like yeah i don't know how to describe it like we wanted that vibe of a jazz record and yeah, like we had these charts and they have they all have direction but we all have freedom inside of them. So like that's what drew me to that is like there's still so much art and creativity to be improvised on the spot even on this album that's my first album, their first album with a hip hop uh vocalist. But uh so yeah, the jazz vibe is just it's so much more organic. Not that I'm against like beats and producers. I love that. Um yeah. but I love the jazz vibe as well. From Minneapolis, Minnesota, the last revel. Uh, is it is it safe to assume whoever brings like the main idea to a song is usually the person singing the song? Kind of not deal always, or, or not always. In fact, on the last album, um, the song that went over the best as far as audiences and stuff like that was uh, Iron and Ore. And Ryan wrote that song, and then we threw it around a couple different times on who should sing leads and. Um, and what harmonies made sense and um that's one thing i think that's my favorite part of songwriting is that we aren't afraid to throw it around throw it at the wall see what sticks you know yeah no that seems like it it definitely opens up a completely different dynamic like once you're willing to like part ways with the the song and be like all right i don't need to maybe i'm not the best vocalist for the for this jam or yeah yeah you guys definitely have like seems like you're going out for pretty good periods of time three four weeks at a time and yeah yeah, is it is it fun interesting i guess to go into a different city every day and and know that like you're not going to be there the next day 
Yeah, it's a weird feeling every single time. Uh, last year we were out 198 days. Oh wow! So we played like right around 145 <laughs> shows or so last year. That's awesome. And talking to our booking guy, uh, Mikey, he told us that um, there will definitely be more this year. So we're definitely gone more than we're home. <clears throat> so finding home yeah. in all these cities one day at a time has been the biggest challenge um, for me. I'm getting really used to it now. Now, but then when you actually go home, is that even weirder than oh, being out on the road? Yeah, for me, it's like that's that's by far the worst. <clears throat> I'm like, I, this is mine, but I only get to see it a couple days. Um, that's been really different for me. I I actually prefer personally to be in the van and have an excuse to leave sometimes and um, that kind of thing. Um, it's definitely tell them how you really feel. <laughs> I love we're, these guys. We're all here. We're I love these here. guys to death. I mean, for everything we've been through and all the time we spent together, and where we are now compared to where we were a year ago, compared to five years ago, I still feel the same about it. I mean, there's days when I want to not talk to anybody. Absolutely, and there will probably always be those days. Um, but at, ultimately, like it just goes in waves. I mean, it's 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 just what with with whatever you choose to do or who you choose to be with or spend time with or work with or whatever. It's like some days you just want to just strangle them, but you, but you don't absolutely, <laughs> but you don't. And you just work out. You just, you just push through it. You know, I always, I always had this, I always, when we first started going on the road and just like things get stressful, I just tell myself that like, if somebody's making me upset, it's probably my fault. Cause they're just being themselves. That, they're just doing their own thing. That, and I'm the one who's getting rubbed the wrong way. So yeah, you man. just kind of like, I don't know, push it down and internalize it. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know about the last part, but the other part is very is a very it's right, very like there. it's a very mature way to go about it. <laughs> uh it's, yeah. Is it is it also just kind of one of those things where every once in a while one of you guys has to like look at the other and be like, yeah, like we're fucking we're tour we're a touring band. Like we get to do this all the time. And big picture big picture always helps. It always helps me to take like a step back from I'm offended that you smell the way you do or something, you know, whatever it is. It's like, I don't know what you ate, but it's not okay (laughs) right now. And you get so emotional. Like, it's like the worst thing that's ever happened. Like in those moments, the only thing that saves me is like, wait a second. What am I actually doing with my life? I'm touring around the country with my best friends, you know, sharing music and yeah. That's that saved me a lot. Right on. Well, seems looks like you guys uh, have have a good time on stage, and and there's uh, something very uh, communal about the the harmonizing that takes place, and that seems to be like where a lot of the magic and lies in the songs, and it's very it's very cool to see. So yeah, I can't I can't imagine working with any other two people in my life right now. just just because of where it all started we were friends first you know and it's it that inspires so much the co-founder you guys like because it just seems like you're just doing what you want to do you know and i feel like i feel like crazy if if we don't like we'll be like we didn't this is our first tour in like six months and like i was like losing my mind before we left and like like today i started booking the next one because i just like we get out here and it it just feels so much that 
like like all the voices in my head shut off when we're out on the road because it's just like it's just that environment where you have the space to kind of be reflective but also at the same time like you know that every day you at the end of the day get to go on stage and be covered in sweat and like kind of bloody and whatever and then you feel good and you feel better and like we don't always make very much money or whatever but it's like I get the emotional release that allows me to feel like I'm not going fucking insane which when we're at home and I have to like have to when I, when I you know i'm at home and i'm like at work or whatever like ever since kind of going on that first tour that that has like created that desire for you to be out there all the time now like when you when you get home does that like really open your eyes up to that or is that something you felt like you always wanted to be kind of out on the road playing your tunes every night um i think as ever since i was a kid like i would always watch like I would watch these old punk documentaries just over and over and over and over again, like Kurt Cobain documentaries that like he, I would watch those over and over and again. And there's like, um, like the discord thing and, in and DC and like, I would watch old stuff about like bad brains and Cro-Mags up in, up in like Jerry's kids and stuff in like Boston. And like, um, and so since I was a kid, it was just like, I always was like, I remember being in high school and like watching like Blink. I would watch old Blink documentaries and like, I just remember every single one them being like, it's like you have to tour and you have to like, you have to go and do it like you know and you can't like, not you can't you just like you have to or whatever. And so it was just like always my understanding was like, oh you're gonna be in a band then if you're gonna tour like, I don't want to be in a band if I'm not gonna tour like. And so, and it was always such a harder thing for me because I'm like not very outgoing person naturally. So it's like, if I'm gonna be in a band, it's gotta be like I gotta take it seriously. Otherwise, I'm gonna not. I'm gonna feel like I'm going crazy. And so, like, since we started and since we did that first one, it just it just felt natural. Like since we started and since I first started playing shows, it was just, it just always felt like this is what I was supposed to be doing, and like this is how. Like, if I don't spend my time doing this, then, like, I kind of feel like I'm freaking out. And, like, Portia Sabin from Kill Rockstars. Sort of the, yeah. that whole uh, experience of, of sitting on that drum set it really, like, kind of move you right away. It was perfect. It was exactly what I wanted. Like, it was the thing I didn't know I had been looking for, you know? It was just, just felt just perfect. And also, I like to sing. So I ended up in a bunch of bands where I actually sang and played drums at the same time. Um, which, you know, me and Phil Collins, woohoo. Hey, I fuck with <laughs> Phil Collins. He's, a, he's my dude. <laughs> Anybody that listens to this podcast knows. Yeah, exactly. But I mess so, with Phil Collins. So. Singing drummers, no problem. So uh, I went home to New York and then I got into a band immediately when I got back home to the New York City. And uh, I did it by looking for people to play with in the, in the Village Voice, which now sounds so funny and outdated because, of course, you know everything's done online now but that was like i literally put an ad in the paper and like answered ads from the paper <laughs> it's funny yeah um during those early years of playing in bands did you always have um like a desire or a sense for like the business aspects of it was that something that always caught nope. your attention or were definitely you just playing not. music and, no. and having a blast no i was playing music i was listening to music i was going to see bands you know i was obsessed with music um, I lived in London in 1991 and I probably went out to see live music five nights a week at least. 
including hitchhiking to the Reading Festival and getting there just in time for, for Nirvana to play their final song. They like ended with Smells Like Teen Spirit and oh, man. went off stage. And then after them was this band Chapter House, which I'm actually a huge fan of too. They were a shoegaze band from England. And then after them was Sonic Youth. Um, and that was an insane, that was like, I'm so glad I hitchhiked to the Reading Festival because it was, and then we ended up just like crashing in a tent with some people we met there. Oh, wow. It was super fun. Like That's... it was, it was a great, great weekend, but I got to see incredible bands. I mean, Sisters of Mercy, Godfathers, like just some truly great acts. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I went, I just, I was just obsessed, obsessed, obsessed with music. Did that, uh, tour in the country just like really blow your mind and open your eyes up to some things having that experience? Absolutely. Um, the thing what, the thing I really learned about myself from touring is that I am a tour slut. Like, I love touring. Like, I would literally get in a van tomorrow. I mean, I can't anymore now that I have a kid. Things aren't quite the, the way they were. But before yeah. I had a kid, like, yeah, I would just get in a van. I'd be like, let's go. I loved touring. It never was. It didn't bum me out at all sleeping on floors. You know, there were some uncomfortable aspects. There were some, like, real weirdos that we ended up spending the night with. You know, that happens. Um, but overall I just loved it because there's nothing as exciting as like getting away in the morning, getting in the van and like knowing that you're going to go play a show that night somewhere. Like, it's just so exciting. Fluff and gravy records. Um, Chad, do you have any, like, uh, what's your biggest takeaway from this thing thus far that, that John kind of just got you wrapped up in (laughs) six years ago? I would recommend it to everyone. (laughs) (laughs) No, honestly, it's it's it, it has been the most glorious ride of my life, and and I wouldn't trade it for I wouldn't trade it for anything. I mean, honest, uh, the people that I've met, getting to work with John, and to be able this is art I would probably not have stumbled upon had this not been the circumstance. And you know, I've always loved music, but I haven't been this close to music. And for that, I'm thankful. I'm eternally grateful. You know, if it all ends tomorrow, I'm still very happy with this decision. You know, it, it's 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 been a great, great time. Oh, it's killer. I don't know. It just comes across so genuine. Just uh oh, a little extra pour there on the wall. The whole a little too much dickle there, John. <laughs> That was supposed to be just a trickle of dickle, and it ended up being <laughs> uh, <laughs> unofficial sponsor for this podcast is Dickle Ride. <laughs> yes, it is. Noah Gunderson. What's up? How's it going, man? Good. Can you hear me all right? I can hear you great. Can you hear me all right? You sound fan-freaking-tastic. Awesome, dude. I'm so stoked to uh, have the opportunity to talk with you today. And uh, yeah, man, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Super pumped on your new record, White Noise, that just came out. And I know you're about to head out on tour in support of that. And um, yeah, dude, can you believe that it's been nearly a decade since you put out Brand New World? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I, that is kind of crazy to think about. I I've been trying to like. I try to stay present, you know, like that's like a, a valuable thing for me. So I, so it's when I do take a step back and like take in the scope of how long, you know, I've been doing this and also coupled with the feeling that, that I'm just getting started. Um, it is kind of a wild trip to think about how, how long ago that was and how much has changed and happened since then. And, you know, I think there was like a moment when I wrote my first song, 
was like I I felt like I was able to say something that um, I didn't have the vocabulary outside of music to say, uh, and that was a really empowering thing. I like to to find your I don't I don't think that happens for a lot of people to be able to with to find the thing that makes them feel like themselves. Yeah, dude, we end every episode of this podcast with uh the guest saying the tagline, which is it's a program. Okay. It's a program. That's Noah Gunderson everybody saying it's a program on the Dan Cable Presents podcast. Uh super appreciate <laughs> your time, man. I I look forward yeah, to uh to hopefully getting to say what's up to you when you come through Portland and uh I also like to end the conversation with a big hug, so I'll just send you a virtual hug right now. And uh, Hell yeah. Sending gonna... one back. I appreciate it, man. Ryan Schicht of Slowfall. It seemed even from like the early times of you like playing and messing around that you were always more drawn to like writing your own songs rather than learning yeah. covers. Like, Yeah, no, I I took lessons for almost two years, and in that time, I mean... It was always, yeah, let's uh, bring in a CD or a song you might want to learn how to play. And that's kind of what that became after, you know, learning all the basics. And But, um, but yeah, and it just got to that point where I was just, I wasn't interested in learning a bunch of other songs. And I wanted to write my own songs. Um, so, yeah, I was always drawn, I think, from the beginning of picking up a guitar and learning those chords. I mean, that that was my plan. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put these... T- chords together myself and i'm gonna figure out how to write some lyrics it seems like you are able to come up with these visions and like you know like you hear a song in your head and you don't just hear like one piece of it you're not like all right here's the part and we're gonna like work this out together it's like okay here's this piece and then like i see it going here it's like just feels like it's all very like thought out and you know like what you want to happen and you know how it can happen or maybe not necessarily always how it's going to happen but like you can hear the whole idea like front to back in your head and it's just like a complete picture for you which is yeah i think i like uh, i have to imagine the song yeah to actually go anywhere with it i have to kind of map it out first um and that it goes as big as let's get let's get strings on this whether it's keyboard or a couple cello overlays yeah absolutely let's uh we we need big drums we need heavy guitars here like whatever the arrangement is like i i usually hear it pretty big because that's just some of the my favorite kinds of songs um if anything i i think i've tried to maybe kind of pull that back a little bit and i'll have to kind of do less sometimes like i'm stoked that you're still writing music and recording music and maybe not necessarily to go out and play shows like i know you would if if a band came together but like the priority is to like produce and write and put out music absolutely you know and just put out your your thoughts and ideas to the world like that seems like (laughs) what it's always been about too it's just like i want to share this like yeah it would be cool if something came from it but like this is about just like sharing my point of view or like hopefully connecting with people the way other people have connected with me absolutely it's it's just about creating yeah and being being excited about it and actually being being proud of it and uh it's like i don't know it's a, it's a snapshot of your life absolutely and uh i mean i, I don't really take a whole lot of photos <laughs> and i don't keep photo albums if people still do that yeah um 
but for me, I mean, that's what this is. And I that's, mean, that's yeah. why it's so important. Well, thanks so much, man. It's, yeah. uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a program. <laughs> that's awesome. Episode 75 with Hammerhead. Great Everybody. time. Yeah, it was, it was crazy when you guys left here that, that first time you came in. Cause I, I had this feeling that oh, yeah. I was just like, man, I, I would, I, if they don't have any situation going on, like, I kind of have the desire to like act as some sort of management role yeah. if that is uh, needed. Or which is funny because on our end we were getting to a point where we were like we might need this. I was yeah. like I level with Tyler one day and was like, dude, I'm just I'm really bad at this at, at the promotion side and like I'm pretty jaded on reaching out to places and booking shows. You know, I've been doing this for a long time and I just like I've hit a point where for whatever reason like I'm, I feel very resistant to it. Um, but then you were just showing up to every show. Yeah, it just didn't every miss shows. single after, show. After you left every here, single I just show kept, after, following you guys around. Yeah, which is funny because that's how like the whole video thing ended up getting introduced. Yeah. Is you came to our EP release and Matt Garrett. Yeah, and then, then Garrett started doing the video for a while. Yeah, and, uh, and so then yeah, one day Tyler was like, "Well, we got Why not it. Dan? Yeah, Dan's the man." It's like, "Oh, dude, Dan's too cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just go ask some Dan to like manage your band. I don't. I have this theme." I have a theme throughout our music history uh, of just not giving any bones about like just yeah, we asking bounce, for we things. bounce each other yeah. out because <laughs> I'm the one who's like very timid and shy yeah. and like you know reserved, and Tyler's just like, "Yo, can we can we open up for you at Wonder Ball?" <laughs> Brian and Brian from Small Souls. Yeah, no. <laughs> you're you're the songwriter, but I wrote man. the songs. You're the songwriter, he man. Needs me still. Um. Yeah, speaking of the songs, though, like I said, uh, it definitely all has uh, a very heavy weight, it seems, it to does. it. You know, it's definitely, yeah, there's some dark vibes on, on here, and I mean, I dig the shit out of it, because I'm just down I'm down for that. Um, <laughs> well, it ain't, it ain't Jack Johnson, you know? <laughs> uh, it's not that accessible, but um, I feel like I've always been drawn to Brian's songwriting, because it has even a song that's like... Oh, this is a song about family, but it's a dark song about family. Yeah, you know. But and he just taps into this, even especially on the, on the a song like "Lucid Dreaming." Um, first time you played me that song, I was like, "Wow, man, that's intense." <laughs> it's gonna piss some people off, and I love that. Like, I, I just love how raw it is. I mean, you say stuff in that song that like nobody is saying, you know, and and that's why I really related to that song. Yeah, man. I mean. It's even in on this record. You have that line that's uh, I've always said how I felt, so I won't say anything, right? <laughs> oh, right, yeah. So, yeah, it's oh, on existential midlife crimes, right? Right. As far as like this collection of songs, was there an overall inspiration for it all, or is each each song kind of a different piece? Uh, I feel like the songs to me feel cohesive in the sense of like themes. Uh, of trying, you know, I've often approached songs like questions, like I don't, I don't quite understand something lyrically or, uh, you know, writing the music too. Like, well, what, what could happen here, or how does this work, or things that really trouble me. I try to articulate those in songs, and uh, yeah, it was coming out of a couple dark years, like a p- personal things that were that were struggles and felt like really the the exercise of those emotions kind of helped me stay sane you know and it felt like 
I, I hope it's not pure catharsis because I think that that's a little tough for people to listen to, but um, hopefully there's enough in there that people can relate to it, right? That's what you hope that it could reach other people that way. No, I mean, it, I think it comes across very genuine and that you, you know, in question form a lot, you know, just questioning the, the ways of, of the world and whatnot and, right, and right. relationships and, and things of that nature. And, um, yeah, I just think there seems to be like a real rawness to, to what you do lyrically. And I think that sort of vulnerability is, is very, uh, engaging to me and oh, also thanks. very like, I don't know, it comes across very honest though. I don't feel like you're doing it, you know, saying these things for shock value, you know? And I think that's when there's, that was my that concern, line. like, especially with lucid dreaming where it's definitely a not safe for work kind of yeah. song. And, absolutely. and you know, I, I often use Brian with other Brian with a Y as a sounding board for that. I think I was pretty unsure about playing Lucid Dreaming. Um, and there's an, the last song on the album as well. It's like, you know, it just feels very open and raw. And I know that it's had uh, caused some emotional reactions when we played it live. So it's like, how, how is this going to go over? And Brian's been very supportive and all that. And Well, I think that's one of the main things that art and music is supposed to do is I mean, connect people emotionally, make make somebody feel something. Even if they're feeling something personal that's going on in their life, it's just relating to this song that you wrote that's personal to your life. Matthew Fountain. Any, uh, like, strong overall takeaways from, like, the whole experience of finally putting this record together and, and making this thing happen and finally putting it out <laughs> into the world? <laughs> wow, that's a big question. Um, I know it's kind of loaded, but... No, no, I, I, I'll, I'll do my best. Well, I think, you know, um, and this is really something that I'm just kind of, I'm starting to understand uh, with through therapy <laughs> and whatnot. But, um, you know, I think I was really writing songs uh, that were wiser than I am. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I was, these songs are, are telling me like what I, like what would really be healthy for me to do, you know what I mean? Like, or, or to, or to understand or like, there, it's, it's like, I mean, I, I guess anytime you write something worthwhile, um, it's, it's something that you're in and something, not something that you're beyond, you know what I mean? Cause if you're, if you're beyond it, then it's not emotional. You're not like, like in, like enmeshed in it. Um, so, so I guess that makes sense in a way, but, but yeah, I mean like I, it, it's, it's funny cause like I'm, I'm sort of writing from this wisdom that I just can't live. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah, man. And, and, um, and, and I think that it's all, but it's also helped me to, to become conscious of what I need to do to become a better person maybe. So, um, that's, I think that's the main takeaway is like what I need to work on. <laughs> I can dig that, man. Camp crush. Yeah. What would you say was kind of, kind of led to becoming camp crush and, and really like reshaping what you were doing. Well, we were already, I, th I think it starts really with the fact that we bought a bunch of new gear that was really <laughs> inspiring. Um, so we sort of traded up some of our stuff and then all of a sudden we were like, Ooh, these are some fun sounds and they're really inspiring. So we started writing a ton of music that was in line with that. And, then we got to a point with with Sandy M where we were people we were like describe your band and I was like we are like folk Americana that writes like eighties synth pop music <laughs> and finally we were like okay we actually 
can't be all those things. Um, and we wanted to follow the inspiration. And so we looked at our set list and we said, you know, we actually have enough music to go fully in on this whole synth pop thing and really focus on the new wave inspiration that we were having. And, um, and I think that's, a lot of it comes to from um, like your influences and mine as well. Not just being inspired by the sound of the in, the instruments that we had picked up, but um, it's almost like you know, you a kid might not discover his true potential, his or her true potential until like maybe they have the right tool in their hand, whether that's a paintbrush or whatever it might be. Um, and I think you finally getting your hands on an awesome uh, like keyboard workstation with all these different sounds allowed you to really make start to make kind of those sounds and the type of music that uh, that really was there all along, but you were just kind of searching for the, the right outlet and the right way to uh, produce that. And yeah. yeah, yeah. Just kind of revealing the pieces and whatnot <laughs> right. that were like already there. And yeah, absolutely. Because you guys are also, you know, partners and not just in the music sense, do you feel like, that helps in the creation process as far as just being able to be like 100% vulnerable with everything and, and just also just like really honest with opinions and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we know each other pretty well. Um, well, I hope so. You're living on the same <laughs> roof right now. I'm in your home. <laughs> uh, and you are welcome here. Uh, uh, no, I, uh, Knowing each other really well opens up uh, the door even further to collaborating um, in a deeper sense with the music in that we know that we're never uh, being malicious to each other and we have kind of the future of the music and, and the quality of, of the music and the, and the product both in mind. Um, and Jen, Jen and I have, have the same goals because we, we sit down and we, we hash out our goals. We, hash out where we want things to go, where we want our lives to be. And, and, you know, we think about happiness alongside, alongside all of that and, and our relationship and all these things we, we hash out all the time together just to make sure that we're staying on the same track. And that definitely makes its way into the songwriting process and into the, the process of the band and all the logistics that come with that. Um, and so when we work together, we're fully open because, we know that there's no subtext, which is super nice um, because it it allows us to kind of, you know, there's there's nothing that you're holding on to when you go in. You just kind of leave it all behind. Um, or, you know, there's nothing really that you could be holding on to because we have it all out in the open with each other. Um, and so it makes writing a lot easier because we can look at each other and know what the next step is going to be. Or we know what this song is about. And so we can dive into that emotion as well. And I, I think the other thing too, is just that, and this is going to sound really cheesy, but we are, you know, I'm definitely, I feel like Chris's biggest fan and he's mine and writing songs is very vulnerable and it's hard to put yourself out there. And so I feel like, you know, being able to take something, take a song to someone that I know not just loves me, but loves my music and loves what I do that's just an added level of safety and you can, it lets you try a lot more things I think and sort of, you know, push yourself. That's a wrap folks. That's it. That's the end of the, uh, 2017, a year in review. 
Thank you for uh, for sticking with it. Thanks for checking it out. Thank you for all the support once again. I, I hope you enjoyed this mashup of uh, of conversations from the year. And um, I encourage you to maybe find the moments you, you dug and go back and check out that episode. As always, you know, share one of your favorite episodes with people. Check out the YouTube channel. Share some videos. Tell some people about the podcast. You know, let's keep this thing going. Keep it rolling. And uh, we're going to play it out with a moment from my favorite ending to a podcast. And uh, it was with a, a really great band who put a, a killer record out this year. So this is the the ending with uh, Falcon Heart. Much love. <laughs> a, a fun fact about Robert Williams. He is, hands down, the best hugger. Oh, he is. That's the truth. That I know. Oh, yeah. I was going to say in Portland, but that I know. You kind of get, <laughs> get lost in it. Quite solid. I've had a hug from him already. The second he walked yeah. in the door, I, we looked into each other's. I had to embrace the man. Yeah, Mike uh, and I just had this moment. Yeah. We just like looked at each other and like yeah. we didn't have to say anything. No. We just hugged. It was. It was, just it was really nice. Thank you. I'd like to have an yeah. exit the same way if Dude. we could. All right? Fudge, yeah. yeah wow. This is gonna. I kind of just want to end the show right now, just so we can <laughs> fucking hug each other. Jesus Christ! There's so much love it's in the amazing. program, DC. I mean, come on, it's, it's a lot of love, right? It's a lot of love. It's a beautiful thing. Gene uh, just shredding right there <laughs> yeah. at the end, just destroying Gene lives on the violin. So, so amazing. I make you cry, man. No, for real though. That's one of those moments that uh, you know. It's a special thing about being a songwriter and like having a band. You know, bringing something, you know, that you this is like raw emotion. To and then then they she adds something like that and just like I'm just like oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even like it makes me want to cry. Half I the will time. make you it's cry. Beautiful. I love <laughs> it. Question, man. It's gonna be a lot of tears after this, no everybody. <laughs> tears, and hugs, <laughs> and love, and oh, it's gonna be craziness. It's about time for that right hug. Now. It is just about. We're getting pretty we're, close. We're getting close. Uh, I like that you're looking for it. Falcon Heart, everybody. Thank thanks so much for hanging out with me today yeah. and cruising through, yeah. playing some jams for us. Thank you so much for having us. It out. was a, a pleasure to to host all of y'all. All together. Yeah, of course. It's, it's a program. It's a program! Oh, oh that was a good one. That was a real good one. That was solid. That was mellow, very solid. Do you want a mellow one? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's program. We need all it's kinds program. of them. Program. 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 Okay, nice and easy. One, two, three. It's a program. <laughs> we still got one saying it wrong. Jesus Christ, Aaron. <laughs> Where are you at on this, Aaron? Program. program. Third time's the charm. So- Here we so- go. Softly. We're going to nail it. One, two, Three. It's, it's a, a program. program. There it is. There. That was beautiful. Uh, that was so heartwarming. Thank, thank you again for for cruising through. Uh, thanks to Forrest Brennan for his smooth Forrest. camera work. You can find him at forrestbrennan.com for all your video and editing needs. Telling it, telling it, telling it. We got Mountain Air Mike Hey-o. on the ones and zeros, bringing him in, bringing him in. He's getting it. He's got all the hugs. No applause, though. And all no applause. They're hating me right now. They're like, you Let's know, give it up for Mike. Lead singer thing he, he needs oh. validation, too, everybody. Oh, no, 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 no. He needs some validation, too. We all need a little bit of love. Oh, my gosh. Well, then why don't we give a little bit to Dan Campbell? Oh, my God. Oh, the big claps of the end now that there is a crowd pop kid wow boom that was amazing uh yeah you can find everything at dancablepresents.com don't forget to give us a nice itunes review rate and review subscribe five stars all that good stuff 
Get yourself a baseball tee with my big dumb face on yes. it. And Do it. Uh, feel fresh. And we will catch you on the flip side, Portland. Hey now. All right, there you go, hey kids. Now. That's how it happens. It's called <laughs> Dan Cable Presents. We're going to go hug each other now. Let's do it, man. Yeah, oh, they're hugging it out, man. It's a live to take program we do here at The Space all the time. It's Mountaineer Studios, M-T-N-A-I-R studios.com. I'm Mountaineer Mike. Until next time, thanks for shopping. See ya! It's a program. I want to say, be master of your own shit. Yeah, be master of your own shit. All right. It's a program.